to my podcast um just want to apologize i did miss last week because unfortunately i had a really bad toothache and i had to go in for a root canal which totally sucked um so if you haven't checked out your teeth do so and always go in for the dentist checkup because if you don't you're gonna end up paying a lot more Anyways, ugh, horrible. I hate, I hate going to the dentist. Um, alright, so for this week, you guys know what? I have another book recommendation. If you haven't already picked it up, this came out a while ago and I, you know, you, you can't, this is one of those books where I would suggest you don't read and you actually get it through Audible, only because, um, it's the author who reads it to you and just brings the book to life, I feel. So the book is I Can't Make This Up by Kevin Hart. So again, pick that up if you haven't done so. Listen to it on your way to work. It's going to definitely alleviate that drive to work. Traffic sucks. Everybody knows this. So for this week, I'm going to be talking about... um. And I think I briefly had heard about this somewhere along my life, but never kind of went into it in depth or anything or research. There's kind of not a lot of information out there, to be honest with you. I tried to look up um, a list of casualties of names, but I couldn't find one. So if you out there have found one, please let me know. We're going to be discussing the Wall Street bombing of 1920. I got my information from this article um, written by Christine Sorchilla Moore, written September 20th, 2021. A lot of her information is quoted from history.com. So if I don't say it, um, she got it from there. Um, otherwise, I try and quote it. But um, And then a little bit of information from Wikipedia as well. All right. So imagine this. It's 1920 New York. Okay. You want to imagine paved, non, not paved roads because we have horse carriages going up and down these streets at this time. And a wagon pulls up to, on Wall Street, a horse-drawn carriage, which by 1920, I feel like there should have been cars, but I guess carriages were still used. Anyways, so this street was crowded. It was right right like at the start of like lunch hour people were probably coming out of their offices heading over to like little eateries around there I'm not sure or maybe they brought their lunch I don't know how that worked in the 1920s New York but so it says the street was crowded with workers on their lunch break and no one really paid attention to the driver or to this carriage that was just left there um and apparently the driver just disappears but no one pays any mind to it because of course it's 1920 and nothing nothing like this had happened um before so 
It says, minutes later, after this wagon was dropped off, an explosion rocked the financial district and would ultimately take 38 lives and injure 300 people. The estimation of the damages of what it was was $24.5 million, and that's in today's money. Okay, so what happened next? So the blast was so powerful that it actually derailed a streetcar a block away. You guys know what a streetcar is, right? It's one of those like long things, right? Where people used to drive and they kind of had like a little train police system. I think San Francisco might still have one. Anyway, so debris reached as high as the 34th floor of the Equitable Building, which was further down the block. Oh, and this is the sad part. The remains of the horse that was tethered to the wagon, you know, pieces of the horse, poor thing, was were found hundreds of yards away. Um, so that that was really, really like sad and horrific and horrible. Okay. So once the smoke had cleared, people were trying to gather as much information as possible about what had just happened so kind of when the dust was settled they could tend to those that were injured so among those that were injured was joseph p kennedy who at the time was a stockbroker who was working on wall street he of course later uh became the father of the future president john f kennedy which was this is like crazy because i didn't know any of this background information um, he was actually lifted into the air by the blast, but survived. Um, so also one of the buildings that was kind of targeted, it seems, was a Morgan building, um, which says it was hit especially hard. And the 24-year-old clerk, William Joyce, was crushed by debris while he sat at his desk. Um m- of course, you guys have heard J.P. Morgan, you know, a big financial institution even in today's time, which is, it's lasted this long. So J.P. Morgan himself, so that's like senior, right? He was not in the building, um, but his son Junius was in the building and he was injured in the blast. So according to Britannica.com's article titled Wall Street Bombing of 1920, Junius went on to live a rich, full life and died in 1890 at the age of 76. That doesn't seem right. Because this happened in 1920, so how did he die in 1890? Maybe I got my dates wrong. Sorry about that. I'll have to do an an amendment on that. (laughs) I just noticed that. Okay, so... Anyway, so... Basically, he lived a full life, and even though he was uh, injured in the 1920, uh, this 1920 bombing, he still was able to live a full life. And um, so going back to uh, outside, those closest to the wagon, of course, were killed instantly, either by the flames or the hundreds of pounds of iron fragments. So... This was interesting because what had happened was that they had packed the wagon, not only with the bomb particles, but like 
pieces of iron and stuff. So it was like a shrapnel. It was like a shrapnel bomb, like military type, you know, one of those ones that you see nowadays. Um, so anyone who was lucky enough to survive the blast was probably pelted by glass, also raining down from like shattered windows um, and from like the shrapnel that was in the in the wagon. Uh, George Weston, a reporter who actually escaped injury, he actually he escaped it by ducking into a doorway um, as all this debris was kind of raining down around him. He wrote, almost in front of the steps leading up to the Morgan Bank was a mutilated body of a man. Other bodies, most of them silent and death, lay nearby. As I gazed horror-stricken at the sight, one of these forms, half-naked and seared with burns, started to rise. It struggled, then toppled, and fell lifeless into the gutter. That is a major visual about this situation. It must have been really, really uh, gory and traumatizing to see the, the aftermath of this. Um, nothing compared to probably... Well, we'll get to that later. Anyways, so the explosion would instantly kill 30 men and women, those that were surrounding that carriage that were around that area. Eight more people would later succumb to their injuries, according to History.com, and hundreds were injured by flying glass and shrapnel. The Wall Street bombing would go on record as the deadliest terrorist attack on American soil into the bombing of the Alfred P. Murek Federal Building in Oklahoma City, 75 years later, but I think now it's surpassed by the 9-11 attack that happened. Um, so, um, a minute passes, and after this blast, the New York Stock Exchange president at the time was William H. Hemrick. He suspended all trading to prevent a panic, and according to the article, Wall Street bombing of the 1920, or um, Econo, econo I think it's Eco nowmix.com um, nurses from the Red Cross rushed to Wall Street to tend to the wounded while thousands of New York City police officers searched the wreckage for clues so it says that okay so going to the investigation part the police believe that um, executives from the Morgan Bank were actually the intended targets of this attack but since the like the head honcho JP Morgan wasn't there himself, he was in Europe at the time of the explosion, they kind of ruled that out. Um, the dead and injured were mainly clerks and stenographers, sadly. So, I mean, sad that anybody was hurt, <laughs> period. Uh, so right now, during that time, there was what they called the Red Scare. Uh, which was brought on, which meant, means basically it's anti-communist sentiment. So immediate suspects were anti-capitalist and anarchist groups that existed in the area at the time. Um, and the next day, postal workers found a stack of flyers in a mailbox near the financial district that read, Remember, we will not tolerate any longer free political prisoners or it will be sure death for all of you, American anar anarchist fighters. So, it seems that these um, anarchists kind of tried to take advantage of the situation and had, I mean, I don't know if, 
I mean, they had these flyers ready to go. So I don't know if it was a coincidence or, you know, these just came out the next day. They had these lying around for something in the future. Um, point is that the postal workers found these stacks and reported it to the police. But um, this type of pro- propaganda circulated in several U.S. cities Um prior to the explosion starting in 1919 and the police had credited those earlier bombings to the I'm gonna butcher this name it's called the Gallianists G-A-L-L-E-A-N-I-S-T-S these were a group of Italian anarchists that were led by anti-government activists and explosive expert Luigi Galliani Um, And so, and I think at the time, Luigi Galliani had been um, deported or arrested. Um, So he actually used the same type of, like, explosives. So in the construction of the bomb, they looked at the construction of the bomb and the explosives that were used. And in particular, the iron weights used as shrapnel, these matched the terrorist tactics that he previously employed. Um, in this in this group, the Galleonist that was led by Luigi. Okay, so when they discovered the flyers, however, uh, the police would come to identify those who were responsible. Uh, yeah, so the New York police and agents from the Bureau of Investigation, of course, FBI, spent over three years investigating, but the case actually went cold. Dozens of leads were pursued, including the potential involvement of trade unionists, the American Communist Party, and Vladimir Lenin himself was investigated for this. Police also investigated a man named Edward Fisher, and Fisher was a mentally unstable person who was a tennis player, who had been a tennis player. And he had actually previously warned people to stay away from Wall Street in the days leading up to the bombing. So they felt that was strange, and so he was investigated. But Fisher, it says, had routinely issued Wall Street warnings, which he claimed to receive through, quote, through God and the air, end quote. And he was removed from the suspect list and subsequently committed to a psychiatric ward. So... Um, Wall Street actually continued as usual, um, and was reopened eventually, um, September 17th, and it was determined to show, they determined to show by reopening so quickly and so fast that basically business must go on. Um, the quote says, determined to show the world that business will proceed as usual despite bombs, end quote according to a report in the New York Sun. So to get the area ready for business, glass and debris were swept away, along with much of the evidence that may have pointed to a suspect. So this case is interesting because no one really took, uh, how did they say it, not the blame, but nobody said, yeah, we did it. Um, And it was kind of one of those things that never was solved. Over the years, there has been some leads that were explored, and in 1944, the FBI concluded the attack was most likely orchestrated by the Italian anarchist of Italian terrorists, or Italian terrorists, sorry, 
Um, so that was their conclusion. And that took, what, 20 years? 24 years for them to conclude to that. Some of the other investigations that were named were, again, the Galleonist um, and some associates of these anarchist groups, which was Nicolas Sacco, Bartolomeo Vanchetti, and these are uh, likely perpetrators, as likely perpetrators of the bombing. <clears throat> but investigators concluded that Buda, who fled to Italy shortly after the bombing, may have planned the attack as revenge for Sacco and Vanzetti's September 11th, 1920 indictment for a murder committed during a robbery gone wrong. And another possible motive was that the bombing was a distraction. And some investigators speculated that the bomb was set off to draw attention of police in an attempt to rob the sub-treasury building that was adjacent to the Morgan building. But the sub-treasury officials at the time were moving $900 million in gold bars that day. But there actually was no evidence of a robbery attempt that could have been confirmed or was ever confirmed at the time. Detectives also investigated every sash weight manufacturer and dealer in the United States looking for clues as to who may have purchased or provided the shrapnel. And they also visited 500 stables oh, so sad, along the Atlantic coast searching for the owner of the unfortunate horse. But their efforts brought them no closer to finding the perpetrators. So today, the case remains unsolved. And um, and actually, if you go to the J.P. Morgan building, you can actually still see deep holes from the blast. Um, it says it stands at the loan monument to 38 lives lost in an unsolved terrorist attack that is largely forgotten today so um interestingly enough this attack happened in september then there was a september 11 attack and then i don't know i was watching a bruce willis movie september i don't know for some reason september seems to be one of those months where these things seem to happen uh, sadly. So that is the story of the attack of the Wall Street bombing of 1920. So if you guys have any further information or you guys want to share, please go ahead and do so. You can always um, get me on my Insta page without a sound pod. Just hit me up, DM me there. And uh <clears throat> Yeah. So thanks for joining me today and I will see you next time. Bye. Without a sound.